Welcome to Choose Views with Richard Chu. Get ready to dive into a world of insightful conversations and thought-provoking discussions. As progressives, our job is to have an all-inclusive, full-on assault with all of our players. A show that will focus on moving our political, social, economic, gender, and cultural conversation forward. And all of our players means all of our players. It's Choose View. And now, here's your host, Richard Chu. Good morning, everybody. It is Friday. How about that? We made it through three weeks. And yes, all of our players are here, meaning me and Henry, Henry and I, however one wants to grammatically throw down on that. And I'm happy to be here, you guys. And listen, this has been such a cool um, three weeks here with Two's Views and um, uh, the support that you guys have provided has been fantastic. And I am thrilled. Um, I had an, uh, an interesting um, uh, little engagement, I guess you could say, yesterday. Um, I, um, I left my office and I went to drop off a couple of FedEx packages to send out to clients. And um, lo and behold, I'm standing in, in line getting things uh, organized and uh, just making sure everything was, everything was correct with the package. And the one of the... Um, um, folks that work there, at works at the location that I go to, um, she said, gosh, I haven't seen you in a while. What's been going on? You doing okay? I said, yeah, I'm doing fine. I've been, I've been busy, obviously. And, um, um, many of you, some of you may know, I shouldn't say many of you, some of you know that I had, um, I had hand surgery at the end of the year. So the last time I saw this lady, um, at the FedEx store, um, I had a cast on my hand and stitches and all that. And she said, Oh my God, your hand is better. You don't have the cast on. I said, yeah, I know. And it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I'm, um, you know, using my baby finger to, to do things with my left hand and my index finger. Cause that's all that was exposed. And so we we're just chatting away and she said, wow. So I got to get your email again. Um, she wanted to talk to me about some things with regard to her retirement planning and all that good stuff. And um, so I'm writing, this is just, this is, this was just one of those moments. I'm writing down uh, my email. She gave me a slip of paper and I grabbed a little marker and I'm writing it down, Henry. And um, <laughs> she, I gave it to her and she said, and this is a layered story, but it's just kind of fun. She said, oh my God. She said, what does this say? And, and I went, oh yeah. I said, I'm sorry. And I, I've, I've had not the best handwriting since I was in high school. And she said, yeah, honey, that is, this is awful. And I said, yeah, I know my mother, my mother made me take typing class in ninth grade because she said, um, yeah, your handwriting's pretty bad. And we, you know, you, your father and I can't read your notes when you tell us you're going to be out at practice or you've got something going on. So that was one of the reasons. The other reason my mother wanted me to understand that being able to type and that we're technology, uh, would be taking us. I thought it was pretty um, uh, f- forward thinking of my mom. Uh, I think there were three other boys in, in ninth grade typing class. So I'm, I'm thankful for my mom making me take typing and I enjoyed it. And I could still crank out about 45, 50 words a minute. Uh, that pales to some other people that um, who, who like to brag about how well they can type. But uh, and you know, y'all, y'all out there know who I'm talking about. But the story ends in this in this regard, Henry. So she said, "Yeah, it's good to see you. I want to send you some. I, I want to send you an email because I want to get some information on planning. Blah blah blah." And I was like, "Cool. I look forward to it." And um, she said, "Yeah, I thought something had happened because I had you're, you're normally in here like once a week." And I said, "Well, I've been super busy because," and I proceeded to tell her about the show, and it was such a genuinely cool, nice. Now, and I only you know I only know this lady from FedEx. I don't know her. 
We know each other by first name from FedEx. She sees my package and my name on it, so she knows my first name. I know hers because she's got a name tag on. Super cool lady. And she said, no way, you have a new radio show? And I said, yes, I do. And she said it loud enough for virtually everybody in the store to hear it. And it was such a... It was one of those moments where if you haven't been humbled by somebody's gen, genuine generosity and and support for you, that was one of those moments. And I was just so thrilled to have her um, respond in a way that was like, wow, at her job with, you know, a, a store, a handful of people in the store. And of course, I gave her the information on how to follow her, follow us, how to listen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you have turned uh, tuned in this morning, and I won't mention her name, um, thank you for that wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, good energy from you about our, our new show. And so that was just one of those things that, that made my afternoon, and I was very uh, pleased and thankful about that. So uh, some updates, some things that are happening um uh, in and around the world, uh, you guys who might be following what's happening with our, our Chicago police superintendent can join Cranes on uh, March 19th for an exclusive conversation with Chicago's new police superintendent, Larry Snelling. Uh, he's going to explore his vision on public safety, covering topics ranging from rebuilding the community, um, confidence, and um, some of the dynamics downtown, um, and also talking about neighborhood safety. Uh, so it'll be an opportunity to gain a better understanding of some of the issues that are important to all of us here in Chicago and Chicago metropolitan area. And I always say to my friends and family and business associates who live in the suburbs, we understand um, your uh, why why Chicago is important to you. You live in you know Oak Park or Orland Park or Evanston or Northbrook or Schaumburg or any you know I don't want to leave anybody out, but you all know any of the surrounding suburbs. Don't be offended because I didn't name you. Many people commute downtown. So, you know, we understand how important Chicago is to the surrounding suburban communities. And those suburban communities, you know, they function on their own, but they probably wouldn't function as strongly without the economic drive that Chicago provides. So I recognize that. And that's why I'm always encouraging people come into the city, spend time in the city, hang out in the city, even if you don't work downtown. And if you do work downtown, you know, come enjoy the things that there that you don't get to enjoy because your day is hop up, get cleaned up, get your lunch out the door, in the car, on the train, bus, whatever it is to get downtown. And it's just about getting to work and then getting the hell out of here to get back home. Trust me, Henry, I see it because that oftentimes when I'm driving around the city, I'll I'm, I'm super mindful when I'm driving in the city between the hours of three thirty and five p.m. Because I know folks are trying to get to that train or trying to get to that bus or whatever. And it's and that that just gets more intense as the day goes by. So check out what's happening with uh, Chicago Police Superintendent Larry Snelling. We know that Chicago issues are important. Safety is important. So uh, um, if you get a chance to, um, uh, you can check out this opportunity. Uh, some other things that are going on uh, in the space of cars. Rivian. Uh, the new electric car um, vehicle, electric vehicle, I should say, um, is uh, kind of having a slowing of um, of their staff or cutting. I think it's they're cutting 10 percent of their staff. The company announced it's plan to eliminate 10 percent of its salary jobs while production this year is expected to match that of 2023 levels at around 57,000 vehicles. Um, they have meaning Rivian 
noted that the economic and geopolitical uncertainties have put some added pressure on their um, overall uh, cost of doing business. So Rivian is a you know a competitor to Tesla and to Lucid Air and some of the other um, electric vehicles that are out there. So that's happening uh, with Rivian, and they're based here in Illinois. Uh, Boeing 737 MAX uh, program, um, the head of that program is going to be leaving. Um, they're kind of meaning buff, uh, Boeing is shuffling, shuffling some of its leadership of its 737 MAX program and obviously fell under a tremendous amount of scrutiny um, in the last few years, but particularly this whole thing with the door plug that blew out um, on the flight last month. So Ed Clark, the um, the official in charge of the factory in Renton, Washington, is leaving after 18 years with the company. Um, I forgot to mention this yesterday, but I definitely wanted to catch up with with that. We're a hockey town. We're a baseball town. Uh, we're somewhat a basketball town now, uh, and we're a football town. But most definitely, we've got we're a sports town, and the the success of our sports teams sports teams sort of rotates, um, obviously with the seasons, but also with with drafts and and recruiting. But the one thing that is without um, question is that if you guys can remember, we can go back 44 years yesterday, February 22nd, 1980. Is the, yesterday was the anniversary of the Miracle on Ice. If you guys remember, that took place at Lake Placid, New York, as the United States Olympic hockey team upset the Soviets 4-3, to three, and the U.S. team went on to win the gold medal. Now... 19 that that was my senior year in high school february of 1980 um it was a super cool time super excited and i remember that and i wasn't really that much into hockey at that time i had a few friends that played um but you know i was a basketball and track and tennis guy but i remember that vividly and i remember my mom was so cool we would watch we would watch a lot of stuff that you might not think most sons and da- sons and moms would, uh, would watch but my mom and I, um, I even i remember watching this with my mother um, so yeah just a shout out to the miracle on ice uh, the us hockey team and all the the members who might still be with us and those who have left us um, that were part of that absolutely uh, phenomenal win um, not expected. We did win. And um, in this crazy time that we're going through right now with all the ha- what's happening with our relationship with Russia and the um, the awful things that are happening or coming out of Russia and the involvement, their involvement in our elections. Nobody can deny that you could deny it, but that you could deny it. But that wouldn't be realistic. Let's put it that way. I just forgot this yesterday, and um, I wanted to make sure I gave a shout-out to that hockey team, as well as those of you who are big hockey fans. We are going to hit our first break. we got a lot to cover today. I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back after this break. It's Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, uh, keeping it uh, local for a second, there's a few other things I wanted just to, to, to remember to mention. Um, you guys remember last week we had uh, Councilwoman uh, Natalie Zamba from um, uh, Woodstock on with us. And I want to remind everybody about the McHenry County Democratic uh, women's event that's taking place on March uh, 9th. And I, um, there's going to be some really great folks that are, will be there. Uh, Representative Jan Chikowski, Lieutenant Governor Juliana uh, Stratton, 
um, and, and others that will be in attendance. I will be there as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to being a part of that event and you guys can, can check that out. Uh, it'll be up in Crystal Lake at the Crystal Lake Country Club, uh, on at 721 Country Club Road on Saturday, March 9th from 11 to 2, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. So just wanted to, um, to mention that again. So, hey, uh, <laughs> we have, um, clearly entered into the space of, um, Folks are not playing around anymore when it comes to this uh, issue of of uh, Donald Trump and this money that he's uh, going to owe. And um, you guys may have seen this yesterday, but um, Attorney General, New York Attorney General Letitia James, says that she will seize uh, Trump's properties if he uh, does not pay or cannot pay the four hundred and fifty four million. Um, and you know, according to how I've read this and looked into it, he could be at risk of losing some of his prime, um, properties if he can't pay the staggering New York city, um, or uh, New York civil fraud, um, fines. And I asked yesterday, I said, I asked you guys, what does the number 87,520 mean? And, uh, that's the amount of, um, uh, that this is going up per day, um, as it relates to the, until he pays. So, it's a serious deal, and you know he could, she could seize um, quite a bit of his uh, real estate assets. So, uh, here's my wish. My wish list is, and I don't know if she has any purview in this space, but I'm certainly going to say it for those of you who are um, uh, certainly not uh, who are fan, who are who are happy that she was able to to get this done. Um, you guys know that he that that the enforcement he he requested a 30 day. Um, a 30-day delay on the enforcement of the damages. And the reason why is obvious. He doesn't have the money to pay it, and he's using it as a time to fundraise to get funding from to see um, you know, how much of it he's going to have to come out of his own pocket for. But this is clearly an indication that, you know, because the, the judge's decision is a judge's decision in this. The delay is, it, this is not one of those ones where um, from everything that I'm reading, he's going to be able to, you know, kind of... Um, a shimmy out of it. So, um, but here's my wish. Here's my wish. I wish, I hope, and I don't know if, if, um, if this case and some of you guys, uh, who may have a little bit more, uh, legal acumen, um, or at least state to state acumen in a, know the answer to this, but I would love it if, um, there's suddenly five letters on that building. That's, um, that's over our Chicago river. We're suddenly gone. In other words, I would love it if they find out, if they found out, and may, may, this one may already be, be known, that um, some of the dollars that he got were used that he that he got to to build the Trump International here in Chicago were actually dollars that were used as a result of his uh, fraudulently representing his financial data on properties in New York, and he leveraged those properties to get the loans to to buy, to build the building here. And if there's connective tissue, and he did actually do that, then I wonder, I'm just curious, I don't know, it's a hope, it's a wishless item, that those, that those actions would then allow um, A.G. James, Ms. James, and our A.G. to kind of connect up a little bit and go, yeah, you know, 25% of the, the value of that property comes from fraudulently granted loans on properties in New York 
So there's that connective tissue. Don't know if that's the case. I'm putting it out there to the universe to say, I hope to heck it is, because then that awful deal and the <laughs> the shenanigans that, that were pulled to get that one done uh, through Deutsche Bank, and, and some people even say the former mayor of Chicago, Rahm, Rahm Emanuel, could, could actually get that, that one taken too. I'd love that. I'd be, it'd be thrilled. I, I hate driving by that building. I mean, and, and part, at least three, three times a week, I drive by that building or I drive across the river and see it um, and see it there. Um, I had a, 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 I've had a number of people who posted things on social media the last year plus, and I'm sure you guys have all seen these where they've walked by the they've, they've walked by the river on uh, um, or they've been walking across the river on uh, Columbus and they've turned and they've given they flipped the bird to the Trump uh, building here in Chicago and then they posted it on on social media. I've got a couple friends that that have been in town that have done that. So it's a it's it's part of Richard's wish list. Don't know if it can happen, but golly, you guys raise your hand with the phone call if you know anything about this or raise your hand with the phone call if you just want to talk about it because that would be Wonderful! It'd be heavenly if that building got attached to this this fraud case, and um, the two AGs could uh, could lean in and snatch that that property too. So anyhow, that's just my um, that's my morning wish list on on um, on Trump and his uh, growing eighty seven thousand five hundred and twenty dollars um, additional fine for not being able to pay the big number that got levied on him. By Judge Ingeron. So, anyhow, that's my that's my piece on that, and uh, I just wanted to to um, tell you guys what I was thinking. Um, so, yeah, I, I I'm gonna subtly shift gears, and it's probably not a real subtle shift. Um, but I think that yesterday I, I witnessed something yesterday that that um, was a little bit heart wrenching. Um, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it much. By the way, my phone is back and many others are back. And uh, it's interesting uh, how many people are, were bragging about, yeah, I got a landline, so I was good. But hey, kudos to them. Um, but listen, um, didn't get a chance to lean into some things yesterday because of just candidly didn't have access to certain things on my phone. That just goes to show where we are. Um, and the lesson learned with that was uh, to, to, to have some different sign-on. So it is what it is. But listen, guys, um, I take sides on certain things, some things I'm neutral on, and I lean into them when I find out my footing. Uh, but I, I want to give, and I'll, I'll do my best to get through this, I want to give a tip of the hat to um, our late non-binary child, Nex, who died at the hands of uh, frankly, some GOP maggot thugs. Just going to put it out there as I see it. Um, and it was tough to hear my good friend, uh, Karen, uh, uh, Karen Byrne, and uh, commonly known as uh, Karen from Chicago, and seeing my good friend Dana Goldberg tear up in discussions yesterday during the Stephanie Miller show um, because this is something that is happening has been happening to members of our LGBTQ community members of and and I when I say that I have to recognize that um, next was non-binary um, we have 
all of us have family members. We're, we're, we're two degrees of separation. Sometimes one from a family member that is either going through a transition is non-binary, um, and is in the, in the throes of dealing with that emotionally. And to have had one of our children, and I say one of our children as, as a global uh, citizen, to have to endure that at 16 years of age is absolutely awful. And the reason I wanted to lean into this and to talk about it as it relates to the bigger issue of this upcoming election and all of the elections is this. So, in April of 2016, my brother-in-law and I, my brother-in-law, my sister, my wife, and I were at the Cherry Blossom Festival in D.C., and he and I were talking, and some of you may have heard me reference this before on the family meeting. He and I were talking about what would be the impact, and this was at the time when Ted Cruz and Donald Trump were you know, getting down to the wire as to who would be the nominee for the Republican Party. And my brother-in-law and I were talking, and he said, Rich, my biggest concern is all these crazies that are going to come out of the woodworks if either of them becomes the nominee and if either of them became president. Fast forward, we know what happened. So when I, when I tie this to what happened to our, our, uh, our lost child next, if 45 were to be reelected or elected again, I can tell you guys what will happen because he told us what he's going to do. Maggots will be unleashed to do this in many of our communities without, without protection. Um, meaning those in the communities would, would, would be without protection because it'll be endorsed by the lunatic president, Trump. So when I say that and I see what happened to our child next, to this child next, I, I just have to say this again and use the same language. Nobody has the luxury to be tired or exhausted. John Stewart, Ezra Klein, Killer Mike, Charlemagne, all the rest of you guys who are taking this, both sides do it, insanity, are way out of line. And in this case, we got two black guys that are not using their racial privilege, but in some case, in some ways they are because they're trying to be the voice of black men. So they are using a little bit of racial privilege there. I know the brothers so I can talk to them. I can tell America what the brothers are thinking. Hell no, you don't. You don't speak for me. John Stewart, wealthy white dude. Ezra Klein, wealthy white dude. And all the rest, the Bill Mars of the world and the list goes on. This is what can happen to any of us in the Jewish community, the African-American, Asian, Hispanic, Palestinian and LGBTQ community, rural, liberal, whites, all of us are at risk by letting 45 get back in office. So we do not have the luxury to be tired or exhausted because what happened to next could, with a president that's a lunatic like uh, 45 would be, could happen to any of us because his, the, 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 the sheer fact that he would be in, in the White House would be a, an endorsement to this kind of thing happening to any group that's not white, straight white, Christian male. And yes, I am preaching this morning because when I heard two of my good friends in tears over this because they both have family members and, and, and wonderful friends like so many of us do 
that are non-binary, part of the LGBTQ community, particularly the T in that in that um, acronym, it pissed me off as much as it hurt my heart. And part of my job, as I've said, my I'm going to lean into the stuff that may not, a lot of folks may not want to lean into it the way that I will. But I'm just saying, look, you guys who have voices, you have a responsibility. Understand the assignment and stop leaning into your privilege. Because those guys, here's the irony of this. John Stewart, from my last check, is Jewish. So is Ezra Klein. Killer Mike and Charlemagne are, are a lighter shade of me. Or and lighter and darker, so I'm in the middle. And and you know, all these other guys that don't fit the straight white Christian male um dynamic could be part of it. I mean, you know, listen, 45 in the White House could say, I'm shutting down these uh, these outlets. He's already said he's gonna do it. He's gonna think about doing it. So why in the hell would these guys take this both sides do it mentality? Other than to get clicks and to get views. And that's irresponsible for the voices that they have. They all have powerful voices. I have a powerful voice in the space that I'm in. They have them too. And I'm, and I'm just unsettled about that because this is the kind of thing that happens. We cannot let that, you know what, back in the, uh, in the White House or we will be at risk of having a president endorsing what happened to next. I hope you guys hear me. The number is 773-763-9278. We're going to take a break. Choose Views. We'll be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey, guys. Um, I, I, need, I wanted to get that out, get that out early because I want to talk about it. I mean, in, in, in the space of how many people have to take this seriously, it is a daily thing for me. It is a daily thing for me because of the numbers, the blessing that I have of the number of people that are in my world. And so for me to not recognize, for me to acknowledge what I recognize and experience would be irresponsible. Um, I hear a lot of people out there talking about, well, if we don't talk about racism, it'll go away. Yeah. Get, catch, catch an illness and decide you're not going to talk about it and see if it goes away. It's not going to happen. It's just, it's just, come on, let's use science. So uh, I wanted to lean into that because I felt heartbroken um, yesterday when I heard two of my good friends, um, you know, having to, to experience what, not having to experience, but having to hear about what, it, what happened to next. You all, to the, to the extent that I can say this, you keep her in, you keep next, um, in your thoughts, and and I'll, I'll try to leave that alone. But I know that you guys will call in, and we'll be talking about that uh, in a greater in the greater scheme of things today. Um, so, <laughs> one of the things that was interesting to me is uh, um, as we talk about this upcoming election. Yesterday, I was just kind of leaning into some stuff that's like, okay, I want to I want to find out a little bit more. So, um, we oftentimes hear this conversation that uh, Hillary was right. Okay, she was. She launched the one thing that I, I always remember this. Um, there's some great things about her campaign that will always stay close to me. One of them was uh, um, the, the night that she came out onto stage. Um, President Obama introduced her. She came. He, she he introduced her. She came out on stage. She gave him this this just, you know, uh, big sister, younger brother hug. <clears throat> it still gets me choked up because no matter what one wants to say about her, about him. 
Um, their goal was to help our country, not to hurt it. The dude that's running on the Republican side, the leading candidate, is that his goal is to hurt our country. He said it. And that's why this next scenario just 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 POs me right now. So um, the, the, the thing that I was doing yesterday and thinking about uh, Hillary's campaign is acknowledging once again that she was right about pretty much every doggone thing. And in that, in that, I think it was the third debate, uh, all I remember, she was wearing the white, uh, the white suit or the beige suit. She kind of laundry listed um, the things that uh, would happen if Donald Trump were to become president. So I thought I would do a little bit of a deeper dive, I guess you could say, or, or an additional dive into some of the things that you guys may or may not remember about, um, about things that Hillary Clinton has said. Um, in terms of some of her, what I'll call fiery um, charges, fiery co- uh, comments about uh, Donald Trump. And here's, here's a few for you guys to, to grab onto. Donald's ideas aren't just different. They're dangerously incoherent. They aren't really even ideas. They're just a series of bizarre rants, personal feuds, and outright lies. That would be true. Here's another one. He's just not prepared. He's, I'm sorry, he's not just unprepared, he's, temper, he's temperamentally unfit to hold an office that requires knowledge, stability, and immense responsibility. This is not someone who should, have the nu- should ever have the nuclear codes because it's not hard to imagine Donald Trump leading us into war just because somebody got under his very thin skin. Here's another one. We cannot put the safety of our children... And grandchildren in Donald Trump's hands. We cannot let him roll the dice with America. So think about that in, in the context of what I just spoke of, spoke of regarding next. And that's an example of the craziness that's coming out of the uh, GOP, not just the quote maggots anymore. It's the GOP. So anyhow, he has no ideas on education, no ideas on innovation. He has lots of ideas about who to blame, but no clue about what to do about it. That's if, if there's one that that hits so well about the way in which he processes processes and thinks that we've ha- had the unfortunate thing to have to see is that that's true. He has no ideas on education or on, on an innovation. You know, it's just that is, you know, these are some things that. You know, she she was spot on about Hillary was right about everything. It's a T-shirt. It's a meme. It's all kinds of, you know, she was right about all this. Here's another one. Uh, this is a man who said that more countries should have nuclear weapons, including Saudi Arabia. I thought we were trying to move to a direction of peace. So having more nukes for, from, from the United States or any other country is highly irresponsible and doesn't in, in, enhance our effort to, to be a safer, more peaceful nation and world. Okay. I could, I, I will go on. I've got, I've got a whole, you know, list of the ones that it just goes to show how, how on point she was with so many things. Um, here's the last one that I'll read into today and you guys can call it off after this. Uh, he believes we can treat the U S co- economy like one of his con- casinos and default on our debts to the rest of the world which would cause an economic catastrophic uh, catastrophe far worse than anything we experienced in 2008. So guys, check this out. Donald Trump wants to go after or wants Putin to be unrestrained in going after NATO countries that don't pay their NATO 
their portion of their GDP toward NATO. This is how stupid that comment was and how irresponsible the New York Times was in Trump, uh, NATO versus Biden age. Um, first of all, uh, the last time I checked, and Henry, correct me if I'm wrong, is Russia part of NATO? No. So how in the hell are you going to tell a country that's not part of NATO that you can go after, quote, non-paying? And I gave you guys the list of the percentages that those countries that are closest to Russia are actually paying of their GDP. And other than France, at 1.9%, those countries that are most geographically impacted by Russia's actions are well above or at, at the very least, uh, I think in Slovakia is right at 2% of their GDP. So this is just, just goes to show the stupidity of Trump. He doesn't realize that he's giving unrestricted, would give unrestricted license to a non-NATO country to go after NATO countries who, in his mind, hadn't paid their bill. Do, do you guys see how that's not congruent in the first place? But secondly, these are countries that are doing what they're they're doing what they're supposed to do based on the data. So, you know, when I when I hear these trumpets and maggots and 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 now the GOP just you know going on about you know they would support what Trump said about about NATO. Listen, those folks are traitors. I'm, they just are flat out traitors because you don't need he doesn't this dude doesn't even understand that that's a non NATO country. So he's giving a non NATO country license to start a war which they've already done to start other wars. That's how I break it down, guys. That's how I, when I get really in the weeds on something, that's how I look at it. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Did you, did he actually think about the fact? No, he didn't. So as Hillary said, in, in one of her other quotes, and I think that part of the, the, the third debate was he is a Putin puppet. Putin's hand so far up that man's, you know what? You know, he's waving at us. That's where we are with this knucklehead. And to hear these folks who are being highly irresponsible about both sides do it and, you know, it won't be that bad, John Stewart. Yes, it will be, idiot. I, I, I'll take any of these. I'll take them all on in the same room. I'm so frustrated with what they've been saying. They've got huge ass voices mm-hmm. and they're wasting it. Or maybe they're not wasting it. Maybe that's who, what they really think and believe. And it isn't about the clicks. It isn't about the views. That's what they actually think. So I'm intentionally leaning into this this way this morning because of the fact that I am a, I believe in what I say when I say I'm in the center of, of a lot of issues and my connected dots to so many things because I, I just see how one, you know, dominoes to the next, to the next, to the next. So um, I thought the Hillary quotes would be good, particularly the one about what... Um, how Trump would did treat our economy, let's be honest, and how he would treat it again, even worse than he did in his uh, should be his only four years. So um, the other thing related to that um, conversation about uh, uh, Trump and and and, uh, and NATO, excuse me, is um, I talked earlier this week and and I think a little bit last week about the timeline of Trump's uh, disastrous time in New York, um, and some of you guys uh, leaned into this as it relates to his $8 billion uh, negative balance, I guess I'll call, I'll call it that. 
he actually, um, or what I was saying at the time is that I think that's, I think that at that time, Trump was probably most vulnerable to being compromised by Russia because it's just too coincidental, coincidental that at the same time, that's when, um, the monies that he was getting from outside of the United States. And I'm not just going to say from Russia, Russian banks, um, that escalated. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's something that we have to, to lean into and look into because it just, it just keeps repeating itself. Does, uh, do, I mean, you guys have to see the threat of Trump to Russia, to Moscow, to the GOP, to aid to Ukraine, Israel, and Iran. I hope everybody's paying attention because it, they, they just are, it, there's, there's no, you know, coincidence that these things are all sort of stacking up right now. Now you've got the GOP, which as Malcolm Nance likes to call them, the um, government of Putin. They're just lining up. They're, 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 all these things are just unfortunately lining up in the direction of um, more and more Russian involvement in our political landscape, in our social landscape particularly. Um, and, you know, I think that when you when you talk about that in relationship to some of the the things that are happening with the House of Representatives, and you know, I'm 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 just I'm I'm appalled at how you can have a guy um, like a Jim Jordan and a James Comer and Chuck Grassley admit in this con- this bigger conversation around Trump, Moscow, funding for Ukraine, Russia. Um, and its involvement with 2016, and now as we're getting into this election season, the investigation of President Biden, the impeachment of President, of the attempt to impeachment of President Biden, and their their witness has been determined to be someone that's not credible, beyond not credible. They're, you know, he's a criminal. I just, you know, is anybody paying attention? Jordan, Comer, Grassley, these guys need to be investigated. You know, this coming out that, that they knew that this dude wasn't on the up and up. 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hello there. We are back. 773-763-9278. Yes, guys, I'm leaning into these topics this morning. It's Friday, so I want to send you off this weekend with some things to, to deal with, not to deal with, some 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 uh, tools to deal with the people that you will encounter over the weekend who may have, who may bring you some craziness. And so, you know, you, you've got me as your support, support system. Um, yeah. And, and, and I was, I was sent a, a quick note that to reminding me of the number of, of um, U S specifically Republican elected um, officials who spent uh, July 4th in 2018 in Moscow. I mean, what, what about that? Yeah. So, guys, I'm just asking everybody to pay attention. Pay really close attention. You don't have the luxury to sleep at the wheel right now. I'll spill some coffee on myself. How about that? Um, but before we get too far afield, um, let's grab a quick call. Let's um, let's talk to Michael in Chicago. Michael, our, our Cub Research reporter on voting. What's going on? And happy Friday to you. 
Yes, thanks for taking my call. On Wednesday, I'm the guy talking about 16 and 17 year old kids voting. Yes, I talked about it Wednesday, and your re, your people in the community phoned in on some very intelligent questions, very smart questions. I like to I researched it. I like to respond to that. Okay, they talked about do you need do these 16 and 17 year old kids need parental permission, permission from their parents or guardians to vote? And the answer to that, I would say is no. I've never seen, I've studied this for 10 years. In Illinois, the law for 17-year-old voting went into effect in 2014. And I've never seen that come up as, as an issue. I called the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners. They say you do not, you do not need a parental permission. You just come in, come in and register to vote. So that's, that's not a, a thing. However, one of your readers did say, remember, there are 18, there are uh, 20, wait a minute, on, on the 16-year-olds, there are 18 states, and it's a state law, whatever the state law is, and if some uh, one or two states here and there say you need parental, parental permission, then I don't know about it. But it's not on Google. On Google, there's no parental permission required. Now, another thing that they asked some of your people on the radio, they said, well, what if you live, you're 16 or 17 years old, and you live with your old, your parents, you live with other relatives, and your relatives are very conservative Republicans, and they say, you better vote my way, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Remember, I've said before, I've said before on your radio station that some of the Republicans are very pushy, and they want to win this election, and they're going to do anything, anything to, to win it. They're going to talk to their relatives or whatnot. But this is a problem, not just for 16 or 17-year-olds, as one of your uh, uh, readers mentioned, but even for kids that are 20 years old, 24 years old, 26 years old, living with their parents, paying the rent, they're paying the rent, uh, a part of the rent, and still their mother and father say, hey, you better vote, vote my way. It's a human problem, you see? Yeah. And uh, that's just the way I, I, I can't deal with bullies. You know, I can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just a human problem. Yeah. But it, hey, this hey, thing, hey, Michael, and, and I'm glad you said that about the voting, uh, voting my way. Uh, yeah, that's a big that's been an issue for a long time. Let's and we put that in the, in the space of gender. Uh, where we all know, based on all the things that we've read in different sources, that um, you know, husbands telling their wives what to, how to vote. Uh, we know it's a thing. It's not. It's not just you know out there us talking about it because it sounds good. That's a thing, and that to me is one of the reasons why we have this sort of disconnect between certain suburban voters versus uh, city voters. Not just here in Chicago, but throughout the country. Um, and where there seems to be more in, um, uh, independence uh, for women, there seems to be more outspoken, here's how I want to vote, here's what I support, here's what I represent. The less independence, there seems to be less of that. And so we don't know what happens, so nobody get upset about me saying it that way, but we don't know what happens when anybody goes into the voting booth. But we do know that the conversation oftentimes does circle back to um, – one of the supporting reasons why so many men um, have objected to women voting for decades until we got past that. But now we're circling back to it and keeping young folks from voting and, and uh, keeping, you know, uh, groups of color from voting is that this is a thing where, fr frankly, again, straight white Christian men in, a, in our country don't want to see 
anybody voting for anything other than what they want. And and the case in point, let's let's just look at this this decision by the um, the state supreme court down in Alabama. If you if you've heard the readings of what he wrote on on his uh, the determination or his decision, he literally used the words "wrath of God" in his <laughs> in his summation. So when you said that about you know controlling what the seventeen year olds are voting for and how they're voting, it's not just the seventeen year olds. It's other groups that are not straight white Christian men in this country. We've come back to this craziness. Yes, that's it's a problem. Uh, I can't do much about that. But I, I got my uh, brain uh, thinking about these things. One of the biggest things on 16, 17 years old that's not talked about, but I'd like to talk about it for a second, is that the citizenship requirement should be emphasized. I want to emphasize loud and clear because I don't want anything that I say to get people in trouble. I want them to know the situ- what the requirements are. The 16 and 17 years old and 18 years old, they want to register to vote and vote. They must, of course, be citizens of the United States, citizens. Being an immigrant is not good enough. That's not a citizen. You have to be a citizen to vote, and you should recognize that. And I want to, some some 16 and 17-year-olds, they have that. I live in an area, the north side of Chicago, where there's a lot of new immigrants. And they're my friends. They live in the, the building. I, I tutor their children. They're nice and very good people. They go, go to work every day. And they uh, have these young people. But the 16 and 17 year olds have to ask their parents, daddy, mommy, am I a citizen? Because a lot of parents don't want to talk about that because they know they don't have papers on, on the north side of Chicago. And if they don't have papers, they should be honest and tell their 16 and 17 year old kids, I'm sorry, Bobby or Mary, but I'm not a citizen. I'm undocumented. And you come from Mexico. You're a citizen of Mexico, not of the United States. Therefore, you cannot vote in the United States because I don't want them to rush down and try to sneak in and get, get voting when they're not eligible for it because yeah. that's against the law. And that, and that, that, and that, that that's extraordinarily on point and we're going to hit a break in a second, Michael. Um, thanks for, for, for giving us that update on the uh, on the age ban and, and what's required. Um, Michael, have a, have a super weekend um, and again, again, thank you for uh, just some updated tips on that. Um, yeah, I mean, the citizenship piece is, is critically important um, across the board, irrespective of if this person's uh, coming from a, a Hispanic uh, area of, of, of migration or from any place in the country to the United States. That That's a requirement. Uh, so I don't want to I don't want it to be taken that it's just someone that's coming from uh, the southern border and their ability to vote. It's for anybody that 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 gets to the United States of America. They have to be a citizen. Um Okay, uh, let's. I don't know if I want to do this just yet because I don't want to run across, run through this um, um, top of the hour break. Um, but I see that you guys are on the line, and I want to get you after the break because I, I don't want to um, don't want to miss the top of the break. But um, coming back to the to the piece about voting for a second, uh, registration is important, and the age um, the the age piece is super important. The younger, the better. The more informed, the better, um, and that conversation as it, as I see it, I look back at my own kind of history. I've, my very first election that I voted in was at age 18, and it was a 1980 uh, presidential election. And I voted for Jimmy Carter. Um, and I was proud to do that because I felt like all the things that I had witnessed with my parents and members of my family who were in politics 
um, in, here in Chicago and in, and in Illinois in the 60s and 70s and uh, into the early 80s, um, I, I was excited about voting at 18. I, I, I felt I had a pretty good handle on the issues. And part of the reason I had a pretty good handle on, on the issues is because you know, I was fresh out. Of, I was just out of high school, my freshman year of college. But it was also because of the fact that education on civics, U.S. history, government, were, were, were readily taught and incredibly important as part of our, our, our choices of classes. So I'll say this real quick, and I'm going to have more um, opportunity to lean into this next next week. But I was uh, talking with my brother-in-law, um, my other brother-in-law from the other side of the family, uh, last week, and we were talking about the the fact that civics being taught in classes has gone down dramatically in U.S. Uh, public schools. And um, he sent me some articles that I haven't had a chance to review yet, and I want to review them before I, I talk too much about them. But he, the articles that he sent me were on the subject of how Texas is become sort of the, um, I'll use this word, kind of the, 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 the epicenter of what is being taught in a lot of our public schools. And it, it's tied to the books that are, are printed and the large number of books that Texas orders and how publishers are unwilling to adjust what's printed. I got to do, I got to read through all the articles. He sent me a handful and I really have to um, do my homework in that space. But what I'm, what I'm saying more generally is civics has gone down as a, um, an important taught subject in our schools. And I think that because if that, if that continues, and it has been going on for a much longer period of time than I realized until my brother-in-law shared this with me, um, because he's had he's had a, uh, a couple of children that, are, uh, that one that's recently graduated from high school and college, and one that will be soon. So he's right in the throes of what's being taught. But the point of it is, without civics being taught on a uh, being being mandatory, highly required, whatever the wording is, in all of our public schools. Um, we're going to unfortunately have a number of our students our, and our children graduating that their their um, appreciation or understanding of civics is from what they read on the internet. And that's not the worst thing in the world, but if it's not being taught, then it's not being guided in the direction so that people can be more critical thinkers, our young folks, about that. So um, we're going to hit this break, guys. When we come back, we'll grab some of your calls. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. It's Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey guys, I was talking before the break. Uh, I was talking about, uh, or I, I talked about um, in that in the second half hour, um, the the um, the justice that ruled on the embryo case in uh, Alabama. Uh, you guys really need to, to, to look into this. And when I say look into it, I mean, you should read some of the things that have been posted about this dude. His name is um, uh, Tom Parker. And basically, he is a QAnon conspirat- conspiratist and has um, appeared and posted things that are all about Christian nationalism and and um, uh, just really someone that is um, kind of self-anointing, self-anointed... Um, sort of a, a Christian prophet. So that's what happens when we sit at home and say, Hillary's got this, or I don't like Hillary's pantsuits, or she's not a good campaigner. I mean, 
that's what happens when you stay at home during the midterms and don't vote, a.k.a. President Obama's first term. These are the things that happen, and then we get to the point where we go, well, how in the hell did we lose Roe? How in the hell are we losing our right to vote? Why are we in this turmoil with um, a quote-unquote... Russia's not a superpower. We're going to take that label off of them. They ain't a superpower. Ukraine is about the size of my neighborhood. I'm just playing. Ukraine is about that big. That was a snap of my fingers. And they're holding it down. Yes, they're getting help from NATO. They're getting help from us, as we should. But they're holding it down. If Russia was that badass... I mean, let's just be honest, y'all. I think that if Canada decided that they were going to invade the United States of America, I mean, I know it's disproportionate. Um, let, let me put it in the other vein. If we decided we were going to invade Mexico or Canada, that would be over fairly quickly. Yeah, 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 All right? Yeah, yeah. That's a superpower. Now, I'm not advocating war. I'm not advocating violence. Don't get me wrong. But stop using inappropriate labels to, come to, to people and countries just because you're, you know. Russia's not a superpower. They just talk big. They're getting their bonds. Ukraine is holding it down. Disagree with me if you want. My point is we keep having these discussions about if we're going to vote, if we're going to vote for Trump or if we're going to vote third party. And it's insane because you get these kinds of knuckleheads in our in our uh, legal and justice system. He self-proclaimed profit of what? So anyhow, we're going to grab a quick uh, couple of calls uh, the number is 773-763-9278. Let's go to Karen. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good morning. I'm okay. Um, yes, it was quite the experience yesterday not being able to use my phone for five hours. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I would, th- say, thank, God, thank God for Henry yesterday. We were laughing, you know, at, at each other about, you know, because he kept seeing he kept seeing me go like, oh, God, I want to check some things. And he, he was looking at me like, ah, Richard, it's not going to work. <laughs> so, not going to happen. Well, happen. luckily, yeah, my son has T-Mobile. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But, you know, when I first picked up the phone and called uh, called in, it was you were talking about kind of the threads between possible threads between the fraud case in New York and his business dealings in Chicago, to which I would like to say, let's go Chicago. Um, <laughs> Cause I, that would be amazing. Um, but then, you know, I did hear you uh, talk about my call yesterday and to Stephanie about um, next, the 16 year old non-binary child um, who, you know, I had a lot of people reaching out and I, as you know, Richard, I have a trans son, um, so it's hard not to, you know, kind of insert yourself in that situation a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I have to say, um, I had a lot of people reaching out to me because of that fact. Um, and the reality of the situation is whether you have a, a trans child or a non-binary child or not, as a, as a human being, as a parent, to imagine what that pain is. To have your child beaten so brutally and then die from those injuries because of hate, because of hate that was infused into these girls um, by their parents, filling them with hate. Yeah. And um, and that in turn to them in the direction of this child who had every right to be in the bathroom that they were in. 
yeah. um, and, and feel free and, and safe from this kind of violence and the parents and their trust of the public school system there um, to protect her, um, her child. And, you know, these, these parents um, of next. Um, they, you know, they were on a journey. Um, I was reading um, out of the Human Rights Campaign, and they were on a journey themselves to, you know, kind of um, come to terms, accept um, uh, their non-binary uh, child's, you know, journey. And I just have to say, as a parent, it is not something that anybody goes into. So I want to dispel that myth. There's yeah. a group of parents that are just going along, you know, and, and, you know, this is something that is a very long process for everybody involved. It is not something that parents um, and their children jump into easily. And there's a lot of things that have to go on. There's therapy oh, there's yeah. for every, you know, so I, I just, I really, that is such a dangerous myth that is being trotted out there to, um, to cause marginalize further to, yeah. cause, to cause further hate. I mean, we've gone, we, yes. we have the experience in our family. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's not one degree of separation. It's in our family. And that's why I said mm-hmm. at the beginning of when I started talking about this and what happened to next, I refer to her as our child because, mm-hmm. you know, for us to look at it any other way is I, I uh-huh. just, it's, it's me. It's, 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 it's the, it's the part of me that, that says, no, we, we, we can't accept that. And to, mm-hmm. to have folks, um, I mean, listen, look, look, the thing that popped into my mind when you're describing this, uh, Karen, and, and, and those of us who've read into it as much as we can, is that there are children that get beaten. Um, uh, let me put it this way. There are children who, are, who get harmed um, mm-hmm. every day. We know that, whether they're LGBTQ or not. There are children that get harmed every day. So I don't want to be the person, and I know that, that, that I don't want I don't want to be the advocate that doesn't advocate for all safety for safety for all of our children. Absolutely. So let me be clear Absolutely. for those who heard me say it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm very quick to clean something up. If I feel like I didn't say it the right way, we have to protect all of our children. That includes uh-huh. the babies that are being killed in, in Palestine and those that are dying inadvertently in Israel. We have to protect uh-huh. all of our children. And yeah. in this case, we're talking about a specific amount of hate that was unleashed on a child who was mm-hmm. without the protections to be able to, to, to live a life like any child that's on the north side of Chicago, the south suburbs, west, wherever, any place on the planet. Because of the mm-hmm. hate that was inspired by this conversation about our trans children. And so the way, right. the way I see it is, let's, let's just take the labels off for a second and mm-hmm. let's do a better job across the board. I mean, Eric and I talk about this a lot in the family meeting. What's happening in the Middle East, it is, it is what it is. They're killing babies. They, mm-hmm. And so we have to be more mindful of the humanity that's required of us. Absolutely. And if mm-hmm. we, the minute we don't, that's why I'm involved with the human rights campaign. And that's why what the work that Dana uh, Goldberg does is so important to me because I know my family, I was saying to Henry during the, during the break, you know, and I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. a little bit, Chris Rock a few years ago 
was talking about and did it in one of his stand-ups. He was talking about why, you know, everybody needs to cool out on this whole, you know, being upset about having a gay friend or a gay, it, it was, it was he, went, he went down that road. He said, because all you have to do is go, th- if you think for a minute that you don't have someone in your family that has, that, that's, that's the, uh, that has issues, for lack of better words, and again, I'm paraphrasing, all you have to do is go to a family gathering of any sort, whether it be a funeral, uh-huh. whether it be a wedding, whether it be a, a cookout, on and on and on and look around the room and where we are today we and we have been forever we're going to see the diversity in our own families as it relates to who might be gay who might be straight who might be trans mm-hmm. who might be a recently released criminal from from the from the prison system who might be the crazy aunt that, that that's sitting over in the corner talking to the i mean we got all of it in all of our families the problem is our society doesn't want to acknowledge that we have these things in all of our families. And so I, I'm not trying to take away from what at all. I'm trying to embrace the fact that until we look at things that way and, and make a good, make good decisions. And this is why I said what I said about the irresponsibility of the, the Charlemagne's and the John Stewart's and the Ezra's and the killer Mike's and the, and the Bill Mars of this, everything, uh, both sides do it. And, and that line of crap, we get a president who is going to endorse this kind of violence because those folks will no longer be protected in the manners in which they should be the nexus of the world. So I just, yeah, Richard can, yeah. Can I just say Richard? And I just, you know, lovingly, um, it is not, these are not issues that families face. These are not things in every family. What these are, are blessings. I view my um, gay and lesbian nieces and nephews and my trans child as blessings. We are blessed to have um, people from the LGBTQIA community in our families and right. in our communities. No, right? the, the, so I think, yeah. you know, well, and I, well, yeah, well I just... Well put. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and um, I can receive that. In the, this, yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, this is not an infliction. Absolutely. No, I just want to make that very clear. I think we have to change the language and the way we speak about it. These people in our lives are not inflictions. They are absolute blessings. I am, my life is made more whole and richer um, for knowing uh, people uh, from the LGBTQIA community. Um, but, you know, so I just, I just wanted to say that. And I mean, I just, you know. Um, it, it is really, it is for the trans community in, in disproportionately, um, are now targeted and at risk. The youth are, um, have higher suicide rates. Um, so I just, I really, I, I just think that what needs to happen is people need to have, um, firmer understandings and more vast understandings about what families go through, what it is to be a child who, um, feels, uh, a different gender or just, you know, wants to be non-binary. Um, yeah. you know, this is, this is what it is. It is not an easy journey. And I just, I think that we need to really, um, be mindful, um, just how, how we, you know, talk about it, you know, as well. Right about um, that. Um, know, so that we can be better allies, you know? Yeah. Karen, you know, I'm going to make this slide nice and soft into this break. Uh, and then, okay. uh, well, I thank you for the time. Yeah. It just, there was something that was very much weighing heavy on my heart. And, um, I just think that, you know, and understandably, like I said, it's an important issue and it plays right into, um, the, the risk that, uh, we all are at if we, um, have another 
Trump term and that people really do, as you were saying, do not play around with your vote. This is not the time to play. Absolutely. This is how we got, you know, the overturning of Roe and we're in the pickle that we're in right now. So um, anyway, I thank you so much because everything that you're putting out there is uh, amazing. So awesome. I love you. Thank you. No problem. Okay. Have a great day. Good weekend. We'll take a quick break. The number is 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Choose Views with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. Um, I was saying to Henry that, um, and I appreciate Karen uh, calling in and and certainly making making the conversation about the blessings of all of our, our children and family and not... Um, it being relegated to an issue that someone has to deal with. She's absolutely right about that. Um, and I said to Henry that I would rather talk about an issue and not be um, 100% informed or get everything correct about it than to not talk about it and let the void be filled by someone who, to use Henry's words, has got a nefarious um, you know, mindset about it. Um, so that's our, that's our calling. We have to talk about all of these issues, and the bandwidth is massive. You know, it's huge. There's so many things that are going on. Karen, right before she got off, said that we can't, you know, be be willy nilly with our vote. And that because if we are, this is what can be the state that we live in. You know, um, Navalny's death. Thank God. Vice President Biden, uh, Vice President Harris. So 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 there's a moment. There's a moment. Um, I've been around for six decades and, and, and a little bit on top of that. I just said something incorrectly. President Biden's got me by 20 years. And I just said something incorrectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why in the hell are people all tripped out about him making a wrong statement in the heat of a conversation or in a debate or firing questions being fired at? We're all going to do it. So this is the thing that I know that this is so funny how our brains work. I said Vice President Biden. Did I, did I say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meaning Vice President Harris. Yeah. So I cleaned it up because I made it. A mistake in how I was saying it. It happens to all of us. So these journalists and these pundits that are out there going, Biden's too old, you can kick rocks. Like I said earlier in the week, I dare you to try to, you know, this is how I, you know, if I'm in President President Biden's ear, I'm saying, listen, the next time, just say, yeah, I'm old as hell. And I dare any of you all to get up here and do what I've done to help the country at the age that you currently are. Richard Chu, could you have done it? I, I don't know. So, Therein lies why people need to shut up on this topic about his age. Um, so let me let me come back to, to uh, what I was saying before. Vice President Kamala Harris full-throatedly, not wasting any time, and I'm so proud of how she did this, said that Putin did it. Putin did what? Had involvement in Navalny's death. Whether that's completely accurate or not, I mean, I, I'm going to take that at her word and those who are the experts. The point is, and I'm linking this to what we we're talking about with with um, the death of Nex, is that we don't have the luxury of allowing ourselves to get into a situation where we're going to have a Putin-esque president, i.e. Donald Trump, that would willy-nilly, inadvertently, or directly through not providing the protection for members of any of our communities. That's why I started off that segment talking about all of the communities are at risk by having him in the White House. All right. Subtle shift of, uh, of uh, things I want to want to chat about this morning. Um, the um, this past 
God, how do I say this without sounding? All right, I'm just going to say it. Uh, the folks over at Fox are fools. And I can't believe that after having to pay $700 plus million plus for lying and their, the way the, that they run their network, that they're able to get away with something like this. And you guys by now have heard that the statement from a gentleman who works for Fox was on air basically said that, um, you know, these, these Trump sneakers are going to sell like gangbusters because black folks love sneakers. Well, I love sneakers and I love gym shoes, but I love my democracy a lot more. So just cause I'm a shade of Brown, <laughs> uh, doesn't mean that I'm going to buy some sneakers, waste my money for this dude um, who's selling them. And this is so funny is that they're not going to even be ready till like May or June from what I heard. I, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but because I've seen some people kind of, you know, walking around and then we're posting their stuff on social media. But, you know, the, the folks at Fox Fools can STF, you know what I mean about what black guys will do as it relates to buying sneakers or folks in the, in the, in the, in the cities in terms of buying sneakers. Um, I'm not going to support that effort. That $400 is going to go in another direction and and go to a campaign of someone who is trying to out to uh, unseat a Republican. So um, FYI to anybody that's just, just think about that for a second. Um, The, the folks on the right that are saying that we're our economy struggling and inflation and all that. If you buy those sneakers to support this fool, that money's going back to the pub, general public because he's going to use it to pay fines. So just for a minute, just rest on that. If you send forty-five money to pay his fines or to pay his legal fees, however he tries to circumvent the rules there, what's what's happening is in a, in a kind of literal sense. That money is going to go into the, particularly if it's in New York or if, in my wish here in Chicago, that goes toward what happened here with Trump International. That's technically going into the pockets of a, um, of a community that is blue, bluish, more blue, whatever, progressive, those crazy liberals. So just think about that for a second. You buy the shoes. That money goes toward funding his fines, which means that money goes to the um, the municipality that he's been fined in, which is blue, New York, or if we get lucky and they snatch Trump International, another blue city. So you know, I'm just I'm just running that, playing that out for all you knuckleheads who think that um, buying those sneakers is worth your four hundred dollars. So anyhow, I. I, I I saw that and, you know, I was like, oh, gosh, here we go again. These people just, you know, how do, how do they have a broadcast where they can get on the air and talk about um, another community and use what is borderline a racist statement? So we are going to, gosh, we, we will grab, uh, let's, um, Henry's got both of his extra arms working right now. So I'm going to hold this up through this, through, to this break and we'll come after the break. We've got to grab these calls. Guys, we're running at full speed this morning. So. Um, I can't, I can't put too much pressure on my man, Henry. So yeah, guys, um, this whole thing about the sneakers, um, you know, do what you want to do, but 
fox fools know. Yeah, black folks do like sneakers. So do white folks. So do so do our Hispanic and Asian brothers. Everybody likes sneakers. Sneakers are part of us, are part of our culture. But they're not something that is more liked by any particular community than others. So that being said, all right, let's jump to this quick break. When we come back, we got to grab some calls. I know you guys are 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 just. Um, been, been patient in holding. The number is 773-763-9278. We'll be right back. It's Chew's View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, we're back. 773-763-9278. It is Friday, and we are bringing you all that we can. Earlier this week, or two nights ago, Lawrence O'Donnell's uh, opening was pretty epic, and it's been you know talked about the last uh, day and a half, and it was classic Lawrence. Um, you guys may have seen it. Uh, if you didn't, one of the things that he leaned into right out of the gate was uh, John Stewart, and so I'm going to come. I'm going to circle back. I meant to talk about this earlier, but um, here's a reason that that uh, you know people have to well people have to look at what John Stewart said and understand, in my opinion, why he was out of line. Um, he has a significant voice, and I said this in part earlier. You know, he is he is a Ferrari of a voice, if you will, um, and he misused that voice. And I gave I waited a week. You know, it was the first show a week ago Monday. I waited to see if he was going to kind of you know change his tune a little bit. And you know, he didn't in his inaugural show. Um, you know, the both sides do it kind of. You know, both their old perspective. Um, I honestly believe all he had to do was simply walk it back and say, or, or adjust it in a way. But that's why he got kind of dragged by Mary Trump. And she rightfully, you know, dragged him. And he got triggered by it. He got triggered by it because he knows she's right with what she said in, in, in um, reply or retort to what he, um, uh, how he covered things in his first show. So that's the, the reason I'm pointing that out is that's the kind of, um, way we have to call the the voices out that are not using their voice appropriately or in a way let me let me clean that up in a way that is furthering our conversation and furthering and uh, getting us to to a, um, a closer way of winning this upcoming election and as I've said all always the state elections as well as the Senate the house etc so if you've got a voice, Use it. Use it in a way that's moving us forward, not that's keeping us in neutral. So that, I just wanted to say that. All right. Let's, um, as promised, let's make sure we grab a few of these quick calls. Let's go to David. Um, are, David, where are you calling from? Well, I'm the one from uh, San Francisco. Hey. And, uh, yeah, I've called uh, family meeting a number of times, so I've we've spoken I, to I, I remember your voice. I saw your. I saw the area code, and I was like, that looks like a Bay Area number. So I, I thought that was, I thought it was a Bay Area number, but I didn't want to make any assumptions. How are you doing this morning? Well, not too bad. I've been giving hell to uh, uh, trying for uh, Jim Jordan's district, and so I was giving them some hell and a little bit of Missouri, too. But, uh, <laughs> So I, you know, I wake up early to fight lies. And, you know, I, I heard you talking about uh, whether or not Russia is a threat. And I, I don't think that the average Russian person is a threat. But what is the threat is the oligarchs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
if you're familiar with uh, the concept of a republic, it's supposed to be when the people have control of their own government as opposed to a monarchy. But um, a, a democracy as a republic, of course, is when the people get to vote. But when you've got an oligarch, those are just rich guys. And they they tell you what to do, and if you don't uh, you don't dance to their tune, you just uh, they'll either you know cut you out of the economy, they'll ruin your life, or you know not hire you, whatever it, it comes to, or they'll just flat kill you. Yeah, and, and that's, in the case of, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. In, well, in the case of Putin, uh, Putin has been an oligarch ever since uh, the Soviet Union fell apart. They're not capitalists, really. They're just rich guys that uh, that have stolen everything that used to belong to the, the people of the Soviet Union. And, uh, yeah, I remember uh, in the first winter after the Soviet Union fell, the oligarchs captured all of the apartment buildings, all of the factories, all of the farms, yep. and they had 600,000 600, homeless people in a, a Moscow winter in 1991. So Putin is the threat. He's a damn fool because he doesn't have the allegiance of the people. He's just got people whipped into line. Yeah. And, um, and, and, so and it's I, proving it's, itself out. It's proving itself out, David, as it relates to how their military, I mean, your point is well taken. And that's, you know, again, I go back to, let's look at some of the, some of the dominoes of, you know, the, the wall coming down, the oligarchs coming in, um, Putin and his FSB background, and then what, how that started to bleed into other democracies throughout the world, particularly here in the U.S. And, mind you, in the U.K., that money brought a lot that that money created a lot of opportunity for um i'm just going to say it as it is the bad uh russian actors to get their teeth into our society and our economy that's borne out by data that's not richard chu just speaking off the top of my head and so you're right i i hear you and i, and I guess i'm glad you kind of uh, uh got us even more specific it's not the russian people i mean i don't i don't want anybody to take that about or take that I'm saying that about the Russian um, community, the Russian citizens, not at all. But the the those who are in those uh, leadership positions, whether they be part, they whether they be government elected officials or they be, to your point, the oligarchs, because the oligarchs really are running the show. I mean, that's that's been proven by the amount of infiltration that their money has uh, had. So, yeah, I, I hear exactly. What you're saying, David? Well, it's it's early. I mean, it was six, what is it? Five uh, thirty? My goodness, you're up early. Well, it's not. It's not bad. I try to get up at two thirty so I can be on the East Coast time and, uh, and uh, you know fight the lies on the East Coast too. Right? It's, uh, <laughs> you, you can, if you can whip their lies early enough, they're not going to be able to spread to the West Coast. Spread to the West Coast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I knew you were going to say I, that. I, 
Yeah, I mean, seriously, they, you know, they like test brand their brand new lies. And, um, you know, if I'm there to nip them in the bud, uh, then all of a sudden their whole thing falls apart. That's and right. this whole thing, like I'm saying, you know, the, the idea of a republic. Um, well, in, in fact, one of them that I was dealing with right now is the issue of taxation with representation. The idea, these guys are claiming that Democrats are demons, Democrats are communists, Democrats are whatever. And they're basically, uh, whenever a, a district, and, you know, Chicago has got a huge metropolitan area with manufacturing and, you know, coastlines and all sorts of different things. There are other sections of the country that have got mountains, they've got deserts. Each congressional district has their own means. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the idea that uh, each district needs, um, you know, their levees fixed or their, their capturing water for the desert or, uh, you know, whatever the need is, these fat cats, these liars on, on corporate radio call it communism if a congressional district puts in a claim for some sort of federal aid to be able to, you know, uh, send water to the desert or or uh, deal with landslides in the mountains or whatever. And, and so they're claiming that taxation with representation is uh, communism. And, and that's a, in real terms, they are doing that. They're claiming that, yeah. uh, that each congressional district is communist if they put in a claim for their own uh, taxes. And it's, uh, they, they then are trying to trick us into believing that the rich don't need to pay taxes and that the poor, um, uh, you know, are, are not deserving. Here, here, here's the thing. I mean, and, and Dave, thank you so much for, for calling us. You are welcome to give us a call back anytime. Wake up and we will definitely be there for you but to, to dave to david's point on the the taxation piece um i said this before the the, the whole idea behind trickle down doesn't work the, let the rich and the businesses pay less in taxes and the everybody else will benefit from that because there'll be more money flowing through the system that's been tried and it, it definitely doesn't work and that and i'm saying that lightly um, that doesn't work. And I appreciate what David's saying about a lot of, you know, we've got our own form of oligarchy in the United States. And in many cases, it's businesses who are, you know, trying to be masters of the universe and that their business interests supersedes those of the community that they're in. Um, and then they get these tax breaks. And after a period of time, they decide to leave that community or they ask for a deeper tax break. And I leaned into this the other day about this new White Sox stadium. You know, I, I get it. Believe me, I get it. However, is it going to produce the revenue that is worthy of getting that type of a tax subsidy? Because who's paying for the subsidy? It ain't coming out of Ryan's pocket. You know, and the list, the list goes on and on. I mean, whether left, right, or in the middle, on that subject, today's point, um, you know, we've got our own form of oligarchy in the United States. And I think that, you know, when we link that up to something like Citizens United and suddenly a business that has, you know, stupid money can affect what happens in that community. No. So, um, again, (laughs) Richard Chu's dotted lines to a subject matter. Uh, Let's grab another quick call before we hit this break. Let's talk to Sal. Looks like Sal's calling from where? Uh, McKinley Park. What's going on? Welcome to uh, Chu's Views this morning. 
Oh, thank you, Richard. Thanks for your show. I want to um, mention that it's great that the United States, uh, that we are covering the issues in the United States because we have huge issues with Trump and Trumpism. However, we have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time and U.S. people are not paying adequate attention to the rest of the world, I think. We're not well-educated in terms of other nations, other countries, and it comes back to haunt us. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's haunting us in Israel-Palestine. We've ignored that situation for decades, really, and and allowed uh, bad things to happen. There are other areas that we're also ignoring as well. Africa is a blank spot in most uh, uh, U.S. people's minds. And um, Sal, right now... let me ask you a question, and I'm not interrupting. I just want to pl- play a little game with you for a second. Um, mm-hmm. if, you were to, if you were to line up 10 of your friends, family friends, and you said, you asked this question, so um, what are your thoughts about Africa, the continent of Africa? You, no, not even tip that off. If you said, what are your thoughts about Africa? What do you think would be some of the responses, replies that you'd get from people, family, friends, and all the rest? Poor and corrupt. Right. And they probably think it's a country. Right? That's why, that's why, that's why I had to catch myself. I'm sorry, Sal. I, was, I, was, I tipped my hand on that. They probably think it's a country. Right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, you have to understand I, I come from an educated background, so. Okay. But poor, okay, fair, fair, poor and corrupt. I'm with you on that. So to your point, though, I'm just saying that to further your point, which is um, we have we have too much silo thinking in the United States of America. Is that a fair statement? That's true. Yes, I want to. I want to say right now, uh, uh, Rwanda has invaded the Democratic uh, uh, Republic of the Congo, yep. and uh, Paul Kagame is. Uh, the leader of um, Rwanda, and he's our guy. We support him. He's a bad guy. Yep, bad is uh, bad is bad is a soft word, and I know what you what I know what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. We uh, have a war going on in Burma. It's a civil war, and uh, China is very interested in apparently supporting the uh, military, which is a cruel, oppressive uh, government. They had a coup, and the military is running Burma now. That never makes the U.S. news. No. Never. So in order to find these things, you have to go seek it out for yourself. You've got to read uh, the BBC. Look at their world news section. Go to the Guardian. Look at the world news section and educate yourself, because it's simply not taught in the United States. So United States, we're like a cyclops that's blinded. You know, we stagger around the world and we're obsessed with ourselves. It's always about us. And we're only 5% of the world's population. Isn't that crazy? We think, we think that we're the most important people in the world, but the truth is every human is important. Every life is equal. We don't get that. We think that because someone looks different than us or someone lives in a different area or speaks a different language. Or dialect. How many U.S. people have learned a foreign language? Or dialects. You know? How many U.S. people? So, yeah. You know, yeah. And, and again, I apologize for interrupting you, but you, you hit me with it. Just a dialect. I mean, I, 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 it blows me away sometimes when I'll, I'll see people that will hear someone speaking English with a different dialect, and they look at that person strangely. 
And you're so right about mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I get the impression, Sal, that you probably have a current passport. Am I right or wrong? I have traveled. You're right. Only 6% <laughs> of U.S. citizens have a passport. That's crazy. And, uh, 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 it took me a long time, right? I thought you had to have money. I thought it was for rich people and so on and so forth. And I had an Irish girlfriend and um, I told her, you know, yeah, someday I'm going to travel. So it was in March and she said, when are you buying your plane ticket? And I said, what? And she said, when are you buying your plane ticket? She said, you said you were going to travel. I said, well, I meant that theoretically, you know, it's like... <laughs> She posted you up, dude. She took you in the paint, brother. um, I realized that um, when you travel, you can travel really cheaply if you don't go to expensive countries. And the main cost is the cost of your plane ticket. And when uh, fuel prices are cheap, um, the plane ticket is relatively cheap. Yeah. And well, then you, you can learn to live cheaply, you know, and the, the less money you spend when you're traveling, the more you see and the more you learn and the more people you meet. Absolutely. It's just how it works. You well, know? You, you know, uh, Sal, this, and, and listen, man, thank you so much for calling in and, and you, you are welcome here. You will be our uh, denoted um, man of the world as it relates to global political, social, economic stuff, and just learning what's beyond your neighborhood. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this, Sal. Check this out. Um, I'm one of those people that's decided that it was important to know more about our country as best I could. And in May, I'm sorry, in uh, October 2016, I finally hit my 50th state. And my qualifier was I had to spend at least two days in the state to say I had visited the state. So I have, as of, of uh, October of 2016, I finally went to Maine, and it was my 50th state. I checked the box. <laughs> so I, I, I have spent at least two full days in every state in the United States of America and Puerto Rico. The point I'm making is about knowledge and experiential learning is, you're right, I've traveled, I've been to every state in the country and gone places where, you know, it didn't cost a bunch to go and stay there or be there. I wish, and God, I didn't realize it was 6%, only 6% of U.S. citizens have a passport. Man, That's what I read. I don't know if that's uh, still true or accurate, but I, be- I believe it. I used to, I, I still say this, um, that, and we're going to hit this quick break, cell, but I still say this. One of the biggest challenges and what we should require is when a student graduates from high school in the United States of America, public or private, when they walk across the stage to get their diploma, they should walk, they should have a copy of their passport and they exchange for their diploma, and then they spend, spend the next two years of their life outside of the United States of America, and and not just the Caribbean. Don't nobody get upset about that, but go to other parts of the world and see other than just the United States. Now, granted, some people haven't been out of their own doggone neighborhood, city, county, state, for that matter. But your point is so well taken, Sal, and I'm, I'm going to expound on that. Um, I got some interesting things I'm actually going to be talking about in the weeks to come with it when it comes to outside of your own neighborhood. It's a pleasure, man. I'm glad you called us. Thank you so much about the, for, for bringing that to the table. And it does fit into the narrative that we all need to kind of get of our, out of our own spaces so we can learn more about other people. Have a great Thank weekend, Thank you, Sal. Richard. I'll let you get on. Have a great weekend, man. Thanks for calling in. What a great perspective. Guys, we're going to hit this quick break. 773-763-9278. This is Choose Views, and we will be right back. 
You're listening to Choose View with Richard Chu on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Hey, guys, uh, shout out to my man, Sal, for calling in to talk about getting our brains outside of our comfort zone um, and a lot of on a lot of areas. But when it comes to uh, more of us in the United States need to know more about other countries and we need to be more in, in plugged in there. Uh, and that's going to lean into some things I'm going to talk about next week. Okay. Uh, we had uh, a couple of clips that I wanted to play for you guys as we wrap up because uh, I want to link this to something that's, that's been on my mind. Um, go ahead and hit us with those two, uh, Henry. I have to join Secretary Cardona in announcing how, how much relief we have provided in every state for more than 150,000 borrowers currently enrolled in the state plan. And we are doing so, uh, the department is doing so nearly six months ahead of schedule, as the secretary detailed. And I'll just say uh, a little bit about what that means. As the secretary said, this is really life-changing. Um, uh, in Illinois, we were looking at um, about 5,600 people getting $43 million in relief. Let's hit the second State plan reflects our unapologetic commitment to deliver as much relief as possible to as many borrowers as possible as quickly as possible. Today, I'm pleased to announce our state-by-state breakdown of this release of this relief. Let's remember, these aren't just big picture numbers and impacts we're talking about here. We're talking about lives changed. We're talking about families that are going to be strengthened, futures made more secure for people in every state of our nation. We're talking about lifting a financial burden for people in need in a way that can ultimately result in a big boost to the economy of their community and to their state. In most states, we're going to see thousands of people getting automatic loan forgiveness, totaling tens of millions of dollars. Guys, um, those in, in, in reverse order, that was Secretary Cardona, uh, Miguel, uh, Secretary of Education, uh, Miguel Cardona. Uh, and White House Domestic Council Policy Advisor Neera Tandon talking about the monies uh, and the relief. And I wanted to end the show today um, kind of on a po- not kind of on a positive note as it relates to connective tissue. As, as a both of this, as the Secretary just said, the importance of this relief and how we can take this down to the local level in Illinois. Fifty five hundred and sixty borrowers are going to be part of this uh, most recent relief program. That's forty three point eight million dollars. So how do I see this as a financial guy? So what that means in a bigger picture that can then come down to the micro level is how that impacts the community. Um, And I'll I'll put it in, in, in this vein. If you have a mortgage, this is why I've been saying to everybody, we we can't beat up on folks for getting relief from uh, from uh, college loans, okay? And this is a Biden check the box in the positive for doing what he can to get this moving in the right direction. I, I just want to say that we, if you look at the economics of this, if X number of people now have less money that's going out for loans, we're, an, an, we're a consumer-based economy. Those dollars hopefully will be saved and invested for their futures. And we know that they're going to have, some of those dollars are going to be spent in a different direction. They may be able to pay off other bills. That may mean that they can eat healthier because they can buy better groceries. That may mean they be make more uh, a principal payment on their on their mortgage to have a mortgage. And the list goes on. So stop being upset about 
people getting relief from borrowing from college loans and endorse that and praise that and speak to that because that relief on a state-by-state basis is $1.2 billion. That money will more than likely go back into our economy, which is going to help strengthen the economy. And and if, if you've paid off your loan and you're upset because somebody else got to not have to pay off their loan in full, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry. And I don't care if you're family, friend, relative, business associate. That shouldn't have a damn bit to do with what you do with your money. Okay. The relief is going to benefit our society from an economic standpoint immediately. And that's part of the reason why we're seeing these, some of these good numbers. It's part of the reason why we're seeing interest rates be adjusted because, I mean, I, not to get into an interest rate conversation right now. Let me press pause on that. Let me stand point. The money, more money in people's pocket gives them the ability to do other stuff. They can navigate better. So I just wanted to say that I wanted to drop those two clips on you guys. We can certainly you can call in on uh, next week and beat me up about it. If you want to, that's fine. Got big shoulders. Going to be back in the gym because my hand is healing. So excited about that. Let's grab one quick call before we jump out of here. Let's get with Brian from Joliet. Hey, Brian, good. Good Friday morning to you. I wanted to get you before we leave. Uh, What's happening? One should never. Uh, allow themselves to become a victim of hatred. If one does, they shall never know a moment of peace, and one should never be prejudiced against any race of people. Thank you. My man, Brian. Um, You know, and it says in the notes here, we need to give a shout-out to our other... Yeah, we do. We need to give a shout-out to our brothers that are fighting this fight in Ukraine. Um, They are just a different shade of who we all are. They may not have as nappy hair as I have, they were as curly as my man uh, Henry has across the way, but there are brothers and sisters across the globe. And I appreciate Sal's commentary about get out of our own space, literally, and, and check out other parts of the, of the, just listen, check out other parts of your neighborhood, check out other parts of your city, of your county, of your state, of the country. You know, get, give yourself the objective. And again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some stuff to talk about this and give you guys some, some substance next week in this. You'll see. Um... Uh, my wife says, be careful with the teases, but this is a tease that I want to share with you guys. Next week, I'm going to have some stuff that will be kind of fun and part of us being expansive in our thinking. I really want you guys to to set a goal of where can I go outside of where I am, because I know we've got folks from all over the country calling us, and I'm humbled and thankful for that, but where can I go to expand what I know, Okay. Um, and, and the other little tip I'm going to give you guys, if you can't travel right now, I can get, you know, and you, and you get tired of using, you know, the online stuff, the online stuff is pretty good. There's a lot of things you can check out, but as it relates to us being better citizens, just go get a library card like me and my man, Henry, just go get a library card and roll into the library and spend an afternoon in the library. You were going to walk out of there. I'm telling you. If you spend an afternoon in a library in your local area, wherever you live, you're going to walk out of there with a smile on your face. You're going to walk out of there feeling a, feeling better because of the knowledge that you would acquire just from going to a library, y'all. Trust me on that. I'm, I'm an expert in that space. I say that humbly. <laughs> Stay tuned for The Stephanie Miller Show, Tom Hartman, Joan Esposito, and of course, Patty Vasquez. Wow. Three weeks. I'm blessed and thankful and humbled by being able to be here and buzzing in your ear Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 a.m. 
with my new little fun show. And I hope you guys are getting some value from this. I believe that you are. And I'm thankful that you call in and that you send us content, uh, 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 text and other things of communication. This is Choose Views. Happy Friday. You guys have a great and safe weekend. We will see you next week.